You're listening to the voice of the future, fighting for America every day. This is the Conservative Crusader, and here's your host, GOP Josh. I want to start today by saying I am praying for the families of the children lost and the children suffering and the teachers that were lost yesterday in Texas, just outside of San Antonio, Texas. This has to stop. Taking guns isn't the solution, but this has to stop. 19 children were killed yesterday in Robb Elementary School. At least in two adults. In Uvalade. Uh, the gun was purchased legally by an 18-year-old man. Um, he was killed. The, poli- the Border Patrol killed him. Do you notice a problem? How how often this happens in school buildings? It's not the gun's fault. And I, I don't want to politicize this. I don't want to to make tragedy of the death and, and turn it into a political narrative like the like the disgraceful president did last night during his speech, which I'm not going to play. I'm not wasting my airtime. But I want to offer solutions. Necessary solutions to stop this from happening in school buildings without outlawing every legal gun because illegal guns will still be purchased. So to actually stop it from happening in school buildings, you have to act. You have to put your money where your mouth is and actually believe that you want something done. Politicians will go today and last night to the Senate floor and say, we have to do something to act about this. I'm, I'm, I'm praying we have to do this, we, this, this, pass my legislation, do this, this, and this. None of them will actually stop the problem. Nothing they advocate for will actually stop the problem. Banning legal AR-15s won't stop the problem. Banning any type of firearm won't stop the problem. Background checks didn't stop Buffalo, New York, the Buffalo, New York shooter. And I, I, I cannot stand covering these things the day after where a lot of information is still unknown. But you can't just skip by it yesterday. That was the biggest tragedy in my lifetime. At least that I can remember. And I want to ask politicians in the federal government, why do we not have the resources to arm teachers, to have a security guard at the school? Why are these not resources we have that we can exercise? Is it because we sent $54 billion to Ukraine? I don't want to politicize this tragedy, but we have to look at where our resources are being used and see the best places for those resources used to stop these tragedies in the homeland from happening. I have advocated strongly against gun control, and I will continue to advocate Strongly against gun control. I will also strongly advocate against sending $54 billion to a foreign country when we have problems like this in the homeland. Why can we not have an armed security guard or an armed police officer outside of every every school building? 
why can we not have teachers, concealed carry trained teachers, armed? Why were the doors at Robb Elementary School not locked? In this neighborhood, the, the, the guy who shot, reportedly, who shot the school, also shot his grandmother before he went there. He got in a car accident. It's reportedly got in a car accident. He started running, and then he ran to the school. How is there not someone who shot their grandmother, got in a car accident, running in front of the school? How is that not initiating of a lockdown? I, I heard possibly that the security cam footage, that the CCV foot, TV footage, was 20 minutes behind. So they didn't know where the shooter was. How is that acceptable in American school systems? We spent money to protect kids against the virus that hardly killed any any children. About 500 last time I looked across America, right? But we can't spend reasonable amount of money protecting them from gun violence, from illegal criminals. I mean... People say gun law is going to stop the problem. No, it's not. The criminals are going to get the guns anyway. And shooting up the school isn't legal. What's going to stop them from buying an illegal gun? It's just one more charge on the record. The guy was killed. What, what remorse does he have? We need one entrance in and out of school that is locked and guarded by a police officer. An armed police officer. We need teachers, trained teachers, to be armed in case something like this comes to their classroom. Sitting your, your teachers down during their lunch break on a Wednesday afternoon and having them watch a training video isn't going to stop these tragedies. Our lockdown system is outdated. We shouldn't go to a corner of a classroom and hope they don't see you. There needs to be serious, true reform to our school security process. And I hope this event, how tragic it is, will be awakening for the people in power to see that they have to do something. You have to act. Not by taking firearms away, not by taking guns away from legal gun owners, but from criminals like this that will do anything they can to get their their hands on a firearm and who will do tragedies like this and stop them from happening before they can happen. Be proactive. Gun-free zones don't work. So arm teachers, arm security guards, arm police officers and have them as the first line of defense in case something goes wrong and something begins to happen inside of that school. Is that that hard to ask? We have the money for it federally. If we were to spend this $54 billion since the Ukraine on our own security, we'd be able to cover this in no time. I really don't know what else to say. But this is a more of a threat on our homeland than any foreign conflict. Not willing to protect our children 
not through gun laws, but through reasonable regulation outside of the school and inside of the school. That's our true problem. And that's truly what will hurt Americans going forward. My name is UOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader. Be right back after this. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. I've never had such a opening, uh, such a moving opening monologue that actually personally hurt me that I had to say, I had to talk about. But I want to move on because just glorifying this tragedy won't do anything. So we're going to move on. Last night there were elections in Georgia. There were elections in Alabama. There were elections in Arkansas. There were elections in Minnesota. There were elections in Texas. And let's just say it didn't go very well for President Trump. Brian Kemp, the incumbent governor, which was polling at about 52%, according to the latest Trafalgar poll. I believe it was Trafalgar. With his GOP primary governor. Yes, it was. May 24th, so yesterday at 11.24 a.m., 51.8% Brian Kemp was at. Brian Kemp received 73.7% of the vote with 96% reporting. Is Brian Kemp that popular in Georgia? I mean, I I was expecting him to make it out of a runoff. He he wasn't going to a runoff. But 74% of the vote is actually astounding. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who would not stand up for election integrity, would not look at what he had access to. When it came to the 2000 Mules footage, he had access to that before the public did. He, he knew about that before the public did. He would not act on that. Joey, Jody Heiss, a state representative, I believe, just fell short. Um, in Georgia Senate, in the Senate race, Herschel Walker beat Gary Black astoundingly. Herschel Walker with about 68.2% with 96% reporting. And he is beating Gary Black by 13.4%. Katie Britt in Alabama received 44.7% of the vote, going to a runoff between her and Mo Brooks. Um, the, the, Repu- the Democratic nominee, which I'm surprised more than one Democrat actually ran, is Will Boyd with 67% of the vote, or 64%, I'm sorry, I don't know much about him, but he will be facing either Katie Britt or Mo Brooks in November. I hope it's Mo Brooks. I hope President Trump reendorses Mo Brooks, but I don't see that happening. In Texas, they had runoff elections between two different candidates in specific races. Ken Paxton, the attorney general, was one of them facing a runoff to the to Jeb Bush's son, the pro-Trump Bush, who was the first one to lose statewide, the first Bush to lose statewide in however many certain years. <laughs> the Bush dynasty is over. And the Bushes will not be in office in in statewide 
in Texas any longer. The first Bush to lose statewide. Just, just while we're doing elections, we still don't know who won the Pennsylvania Senate primary. Mehmet Oz and David McCormick are battling by just under a thousand votes apiece. They're, they're, they're battling between that. Um, Kathy Barnett with 24.7%. Mehmet Oz and Dave McCormick both with 31 But last night, the Trump-endorsed candidate, just based on what is on my screen right now, which I have 10 races, 5 Republican, 5 Democrat, the most important as selected by the Washington Post, President Trump lost, his endorsees lost in all but one. He endorsed, let's see here, I also want to look at the, the, um, the race with Vernon Jones. Okay. Uh, I had to go find that one personally. It's District 10. Mike Collins, who is a trucker, who is an awesome candidate. I really hope he wins. I really hope he he is the victor of the runoff. We'll be facing a runoff against lifelong Democrat Vernon Jones with 21.6% of the vote. Mike Collins received 25.6. I hope he can win that runoff. He is the better candidate out of the two. Trump has no influence in Georgia. Are you noticing that? David Perdue only received 22% of the vote in, in, in Georgia. He won statewide before. He was senator before the, the 2020 election. He was the senator. He ran against John Ossoff, I believe. Herschel Walker won pretty astoundingly. But he was popular. He was a football star from Georgia University, if I recall correctly. And Brad Raffenberger, who, whether you like Trump or not, he's a terrible Secretary of State. A terrible Secretary of State. Either way, whether you like President Trump or not, he's not a good Secretary of State. He received 52.3% of the vote. Jody Heiss, the Trump endorsed, only received 33%. Pretty astounding margin there. And then let's look at the Alabama Senate race. Mo Brooks unendorsed President Trump. I don't think that was very, that wasn't super duper duper pressed on. That wasn't super pressed. That wasn't super mentioned. So let's say, let's say just, just for simplification purposes, Trump didn't endorse anyone, but if he did, it would have been Mo Brooks. I mean, he already did endorse Mo Brooks. The Trump endorsed with Trump endorsed on the, some of the signs that are still out. I'm sure Mo Brooks only received about 29%. Like I said, Trump did revoke that endorsement. Mo Brooks continued sending out mailers saying that President Trump endorsed him. And Katie Britt, who is Mitch McConnell 2.0, received just under 45%. I'm not happy about any of the races that I talked about. I I wish Mo Brooks would have won. I wish Jody Heiss would have won. I wish David Perdue would have won. I wish, well, okay, that's about all. But it shows that President Trump's influence is starting to ease up. It shows that Republican voters in the state of Georgia are starting to starting to not think for themselves. I don't want to say they don't think for themselves, but they're starting to not follow President Trump blindly. And they're starting to say, you know, I like what President Trump has to say about David Perdue, but I like what Brian Kemp has done. You know, I like what... I like what 
Jody Rice has to say. I like what Trump has to say about Jody Rice. But I also like that Brad Raffensperger has done these certain things as Secretary of State. You know, um, same thing. Well, that's about all. But Herschel Walker, I think he probably won a little better. Or he did a little better, but I'm not really too sure. So that's about all we have to do, cover with elections. But it does show that President Trump's influence is easing up a little bit. Not a bad thing by any any stretch of the word. Not a bad thing at all. And and we're going to move on to Nancy Pelosi, our favorite drunk, who I think she was banned from Russia, wasn't she? I don't know how she'll get her vodka now. Pelosi responds to Archbishop denying her communion over abortion states. I'm going to say this again. For those who may not have listened to the last episode I talked about this, I'm not Catholic. I am a non-denominational Christian. I do not know a lot of the Catholic faith um, processes or specific terms, etc. But I, I am going to talk about this just because Nancy Pelosi's response was actually pretty stupid. Pelosi cannot receive communion because of her stance on abortion access, according to a San Francisco uh, Catholic bishop. I'm not going to archbishop. I think so. You pronounce that. I'm so sorry. She noted that the Catholic Church has not denied communion to lawmakers who back the death penalty, which also violates the cur- the church's um, catechism. I think how I pronounce that. I'm really not too sure. I was going to read more into the story and learn how to pronounce everything, and then I was actually beginning to read it yesterday as my TV got a Fox News alert, and I didn't think of anything f- from it, and then I heard shooting on the TV, and I'm like, I need to look at this. What's going on? But those Fox News alerts come like every five minutes, so they kind of lose their impact. I wonder about the death penalty, which I'm opposed to, Pelosi said on in an interview on MSNBC Tuesday morning. So is the church, but they take no action against people who may not share their view. So we just have to be prayerful. We have to be respectful. But I come from a largely pro-life Italian-American Catholic family, so I respect people's views on that. But I don't respect us foisting it onto others. Now our archbishop has been vehemently against LGBTQ rights, too. In fact, he led the way for some initiatives on an initiative on the ballot in California. So this decision taking us to privacy and precedent is very dangerous in the lives of so many of American people. Nancy Pelosi. It doesn't matter what other lawmakers do. It it doesn't matter what other lawmakers think. You are pro-abortion. You openly advocate for unrestricted abortion access. I don't support the death penalty either. But I also know that she supports abortion. And it doesn't matter if she doesn't support the death penalty or not. She has, the, the, the archbishop has asked her multiple times in private letters before she responded publicly And she refused to respond to the letters. She refused to have a conversation with the archbishop about still receiving communion about why she feels this way. As you have not publicly reputated your position on abortion and continue to refer to your Catholic faith in justifying your position to receive Holy Communion, the time has now come. 
Therefore, in light of my responsibility as the Archbishop of San Francisco to be concerned for all the Christian faithful entrusted to my care, by means of this communication, I'm hereby notifying you that you are not to be not to present yourself for Holy Communion, and should you do so, you are not to be admitted to Holy Communion until such time as you publicly repudiate your advocacy for the legitimacy of abortion and confess and receive absolute, uh, absolution of this grave sin of in the sacrifice of penance. I think I pronounced that. Nancy Pelosi responded, but the death penalty, but the, they, they always try to change the topic. Well, you do this thing, but the death penalty, oh, you do this thing, oh, but, but the immigrants, you always try to change the topic. It, it's actually pretty hilarious. I just wanted to give you that little bit of an update on that story. And before we move on to our next story and our final story. Jen Psaki, the former White House press secretary, let's applause to that, will have her own streaming show on the MSDNC network next year. Former White House press secretary Jen Psaki's move to MSDNC is official. The network announced Tuesday. Psaki will appear on MSNBC's programming starting in the fall. Then we'll launch a new streaming show set to premiere on the network in early 2023. The program will bring together her unique perspective from behind the podium and her deep experiences in the highest level of government and presidential politics to MSNBC viewers. Saki left her role as White House press secretary earlier this month. Reports of her move to MSNBC first surfaced in early April, but she declined to confirm the reports at the time. One thing, while we're talking about press secretaries, I forgot to mention on the election segment is that the Trump-endorsed former press secretary... Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be running for governor of Arkansas against a Democrat, and she will win. Saki left her role as White House press secretary earlier this month. Uh, Saki will also appear on NBC and MSNBC's election programming through the midterm and 2024 presidential elections. Jen Sharpwit and uh, relatability combined with the mastery of the subject she covers has made her household name across the nation. MSDNC President Rashida Jones said Tuesday, her extensive experience in government, government on the campaign trail and perspective as the White House and Washington Insider is the type of anal- analysis that sets MSNBC apart. She's a familiar face and trusted authority to MSNBC viewers, and we look forward to her insight during the consequential election season. So she is now a commentator on CNN. And my, my question, I have until 2023, early 2023, to build up an audience on this podcast a large audience, a, 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 as President Trump would say, a huge audience. I want to know who's going to be more successful, Jen Psaki or a, a, a then 16-year-old, a, a current 15-year-old sitting in his bedroom. Who's going to be more successful at their, at their streaming endeavors? We will find out and see. One more thing before I, before I head off this episode. I do have to say, not, it's like, let me count, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, in 13 days. A big day, a big celebration, probably no podcast. So in 12 days, got a big celebration coming here on the Conservative Crusader because that will be my 16th birthday. I will no longer be a 15-year-old conservative commentator. How does that make you feel? Womp womp. I don't have a button. I don't have my... My Corey Lewandowski womp womp button. Sad. 
Well, anyways, my name is GOP Josh. This has been the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. Follow me on social media, GOP Josh, GOP on Twitter. No, GOP Josh on Gab, Getter, Telegram, Parlor, Truth Social, and Facebook. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are GOP Josh 20. My name is GOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader. Be back tomorrow with a brand new episode. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. 